This is ESPN Radio. Man, if you went to bed last night, you missed the war of words or maybe part four of the saga between Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor and the owner, Jim Ursay. Plenty to catch you up on as we get going on this Monday morning. This is ESPN Radio this morning. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson reunited for the first time. I want to say it's been about a year. I don't think we have a war of words between us that we need to hash through here, but there Mm -hmm. is obviously plenty to get to. How are you? It's great to see you as always. There's also plenty of time, Courtney. I mean, we've got four hours here, so we could certainly create a war of words uh, between us when we disagree on some of these hot takes that we're about to give America, right? We are good at doing that. We used to work together quite literally like every single day. So <laughs> the fact that we haven't worked together in so long, it is good to be back with you. It is. It is always good to be back with my girl Amber. It's always good to be here on ESPN Radio. Is always presented by Progressive Insurance. Plenty to get to this morning. We're entering week two of training camp across the NFL. I've got my sunburn going. I've tried to cover that up a little bit, but we are failing here nice and early on a Monday morning. But all right, let's just Jump into what you need to know on this Jim Ursay Jonathan Taylor saga. So a couple days ago, there was a Twitter beef that started happening between Jonathan Taylor's agent and Colts owner Jim Ursay. This all stemmed, according to Ursay, from comments that Najee Harris made about the running back position. It apparently wasn't a direct shot at Jonathan Taylor, but the war of words continued. Then we get to Friday. And Jonathan Taylor apparently asking for a trade. ESPN Colts reporter Stephen Holder, who's been pulling double duty on Colts and Bengals coverage the last couple of days, you've probably seen him all over SportsCenter and our various platforms, reported that Jonathan Taylor had actually asked for a trade prior to the news that came out on Saturday after meeting with Colts owner Jim Irsay. And so where we are right now is that Jonathan Taylor, who's been on the pup list, remember he's recovering from that off-season ankle surgery, he reportedly, according to Stephen Holder, has reported of reports of back problems, back pain. It came up during his physical when team when all players reported to teams across the NFL at the start of training camp. So the NFL, the NFI non-football injury list is apparently what the Colts Amber are trying to figure out. Are they going to put him on there? Are they going to keep him on the pup list? So. When he reported to training camp, that was last Thursday, this is when this whole thing came up. Then last night, if you went to bed, you missed these tweets, you can see them there on the screen from Jonathan Taylor, that there apparently are no concerns here of a back issue whatsoever. The thing we need to note is that players on the pup list are due their salaries. Players on the NFI are not. This feels calculated especially when you think of it from the perspective of the Indianapolis Colts and what Jim Irsay has said about when whether he dies tonight, which is a comment he made on Saturday, the league would move on, whether Jonathan Taylor was in it or not. Where are we here this morning on this Monday trying to figure out what this actually means for Jonathan Taylor and potentially whether he stays in Indy or whether he does get traded? Yeah, Jim Irsay saying that his comments weren't directed at Jonathan Taylor and then specifically saying, if Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one cares, right? It's like, what? (laughs) How is that not directed at Jonathan Taylor? It's an ugly situation, obviously, in Indianapolis. And this complicates it even further with what you're talking about here with this NFI because it's a way for the Colts to not have to pay Jonathan Taylor. And that's certainly the concern 
different if you're Jonathan Taylor. And frankly, Courtney, you're a little bit younger than me. Not that much younger, right? D- doesn't everybody at this point, like over the age of like 23? Oh, I wake up with it every morning. Every right? morning, lower left back. And you and I never fails. are waking up to roll into another seat to talk in front er, behind a microphone. Like that is what we are doing for a living. What Jonathan Taylor is doing for a living at 24 years old is putting his body and his back on the line. Of course, everybody you could argue has some semblance of, you know, some sort of pain. This is the problem with the running back position generally too, because it's such a physical position and everybody on an NFL field has some sort of pain. And if it's going to allow teams not to actually pay the player, and this is a workaround when they are Mm -hmm. going through these issues with the running back, with Jonathan Taylor, who's entering the last year of his deal, a four-year deal for the 24-year-old, of course Taylor's upset. And what can Taylor do other than demand a trade at this point? Because he wants his extension. It seems like he's not getting his extension. And Jim Irsay has said, well, we pay players. Okay, but do you pay running backs? And this guy is of the utmost importance to your team, but we're seeing it all over the league in this era that we're living in now. Yeah, let's hear from Jim Irsay. These are the comments that he made to the Indianapolis Colts beat core on Saturday from his bus at training camp. Jim Irsay, when asked about Jonathan Taylor's trade request. I mean, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. I mean, you know, we know that. The national football rolls on. It doesn't matter, you know, who who comes and who goes. You know, and, and it's a privilege to be part of it. And now's the time, you know, for us to do our work. It's now's the time as an organization. And, um, you know, players that are, you know, 24, 25 years old, now's the time to seize the moment of greatness. I've got to ask you, because I hope I wasn't the only one who heard If I Die Tonight and thought, does Jim Ursay know he's invoking a great Tupac song from the Me Against the World album? <laughs> I was hoping to see more memes about this. I think maybe I just like went into um, you know, my wormhole there of uh, obscure hip-hop references from the 1990s. But those comments are striking because it's not from a front office member. It's from the owner of a team. And when we've seen running backs across the NFL, be it Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, all of those players seem to have beef with the front office. Jonathan Taylor now hearing directly from the owner in those comments that were made publicly. That hits a little different when it comes from the guy who's signing off on your paycheck. He's right. Jim Irsay's right. It is a privilege, I guess, to be playing in the National Football League. Certainly, it's a privilege to own a team in the National Football League, one that the owners earned by making enough money in order to be able to purchase a team, one that the players earned, certainly, by being able to play themselves there throughout their entire lives. But there aren't many people that are part of that fraternity. And so Jim Merce has a point just only from that perspective. But it's a privilege for me and you to be sitting here working for ESPN, Mm -hmm. right? You and I probably both dreamed of it our entire lives because most people in our business want to work for those four letters. It doesn't mean that you and I don't want ESPN to pay us. <laughs> like, oh, like, we, we, we like our paper. Just you know? put that on record. Yeah. We like to get paid. We like to get paid. Like, I'm very <laughs> grateful to be here, but also I'm going to need some dollars in my bank account in order to stay here. I mean, that's the reality of the situation, and that's the reality of where Jonathan Taylor is. So, yes, I'm sure Jonathan Taylor feels grateful for having an NFL career, but also he earned his NFL career, and he has certainly earned the brightest of lights during his NFL career. I mean, he's arguably the most important player on offense 
on that entire team. And you're bringing in a rookie quarterback that you're trying to also develop, a guy most people don't think is NFL ready. You're not going to give him help in the backfield in doing that. There's a lot of concerns here, but it's nothing new, Courtney. It's the same conversation that we had about Saquon, right? It's the same conversation that we've had all over the league about all of these running backs this offseason. And for Jim Ursay to say, well, we pay our players, but it seems like maybe they're not going to pay this one, and that it's nothing unusual here as he goes into the final year of his contract. Yes, he has one year left on his deal, but also you're talking about a team that in the final year of a deal had no problem paying their center, had no problem paying their linebacker, Shaquille Leonard, had no problem paying their tackle in Brandon Smith and Quentin Nelson and these guys that were all, by the way, entering a final year of a contract and then got an extension before they actually wrote out the final year of their contract. And that's what Jonathan Taylor is trying to get done here is why he's demanding a trade. But we're running into the same issue that we've been running into with what power does the running back truly have in this situation? So the Colts in 2020, like let's figure out how we got here. Remember, the year that Christian McCaffrey signed that four-year deal with Carolina that paid him $16 million on an average annual basis, that's when the Colts traded up to go get Jonathan Taylor to bring him into the fold. Now you have a rookie quarterback. To your point, I'm looking through the depth chart right now at their wide receiver in the skill position, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie. Fine names, but nothing that you're going to hang your hat on that's really going to help your rookie quarterback develop. And you're potentially, you're toying with the idea that you're going to take away a weapon that should, in theory, Jonathan Taylor coming back from the ankle injury that we knew about. That's why he was on PUP in the first place. He's going to come back and take and carry a heavy load offensively as Anthony Richardson gets acclimated to the NFL, as he learns how to play quarterback and you take away that option. What do you have on offense? So it's a tricky, it's a slippery slope for the Indianapolis Colts from that regard. It's also a slippery slope with this trade request that came through. So if Jonathan Taylor really does one out, when you think about teams that would potentially trade for him, Who wants a one-year rental at the running back position when we know about running back contracts and where the league stands right now and paying those players? It's very delicate. And knowing what we know about Jonathan Taylor putting this trade request in, according to ESPN NFL Nation reporter Stephen Holder, it came a couple days ago, where things stand going forward is that that's now been muddied by the fact that he apparently has this back injury. And this was news to everybody around the NFL. We all thought he was dealing with that ankle, which makes you think, Is this the Colts trying to flex their power a little bit and put it out there to make Jonathan Taylor play on this last year of his rookie deal to make him, I guess, succumb to the fact that he isn't going to get paid by the Indianapolis Colts? Let's hear from Stephen Holder. He was on game night on Sunday about what developed on Sunday, the initial report about the ankle injury and where things stand going forward. Now, you know, there's some skepticism about this, but they, they told the team that he felt some back pain. They did some MRIs. Uh, they, they determined, at least by their uh, estimation, that this was a pre-existing injury. Uh, so now the question is, is this something where he should end up on a non-football injury list? He had an ankle injury that was suffered last year, and, and that had surgery, and that put him on the pup list. But, but once that's okay, then – this question of the the back injury still exists. So that's where we are now. And that's what he's referring to when he says never had a back injury, check the sources. Well, the source is good, but what the, the perspective of the people involved in the story may be different, right? So that's where we are now. 
Yeah, Jonathan Taylor responding to that last night. One, never had back pain. Two, never reported back pain. That is from Jonathan Taylor's Twitter account. This war of words, I don't actually know where we go from here, Amber. It just feels like we've laid out the situation, and it's tricky, it's tenuous, and it doesn't feel like it's going to be over anytime soon. No, I mean, it doesn't feel like the Colts want to trade him, despite his request to do so. And they're tanking his value around the league. So I don't even know who's offering him a contract after this year, because now we know about the ankle injury. That did, of course, affect him this past season. It's coming up the pup list there. I mean, we're talking about a running back that the season before had led the NFL in rushing for over 1,800 yards. But we know how this works. This is a guy in his mid-20s. And when we talk mid-20s for these guys, and yes, he is only 24 years old, which to the rest of us, I mean, he could practically be my son. However, when we're talking about that particular position, mid-20s, it's like you get done with your rookie deal, and then that's kind of it. And that's been the conversation around these guys. Who's going to pony up and offer him what he wants in another season when now the Colts are making it so obvious that he also maybe has these other complications in terms of his body and these injuries. And so they're kind of tanking his value, maybe tanking his trade value as well. It's only $4 million bucks that he's owed this season if somebody was to trade for him. But it doesn't feel like the Colts are interested, frankly, in having that conversation. And I would imagine that teams aren't going to be willing to give up much for a running back that you may not want to pay then who's only a one-year rental. All right, there's plenty more to get into here on the Colts front, on the Jonathan Taylor front, how this thing could potentially go. We're going to do that over the course of the next couple hours here on ESPN Radio this morning. You can tweet to us, my handle at Courtney R. Cronin, Amber's at Amber W. Sports. You can also hit us up on the phones, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Straight ahead, Aaron Rodgers did not let Sean Payton's comments about his favorite coach go unanswered. We dissect next here on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. Oh, man, you got Aaron Rodgers hot. You know you done messed up. This is ESPN Radio this morning. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson with you on a Monday. The war of words, whether it's the running back market upset with their teams or whether it's coaches beefing on a previous coach's accomplishments or lack thereof in Denver. It's got everybody a little testy here at the start of training camp. 
how this whole thing started was Sean Payton, and I commend him for this because, Amber, we never see this stuff happen. He went scorched earth in a USA Today interview last week about the coaching job and really the job of the entire franchise, the Denver Broncos, last season, stumbling to a last-place finish in the AFC West and all that went wrong with Russell Wilson in his first year there and directing a lot of shots to Nathaniel Hackett. I thought it was refreshing, to be quite honest, that we had coaches, or a coach, who was willing to go there, to go to the place that is the unspoken part where you have to be blowing smoke up the other coaches you-know-what, which is what we see from Sean McVay, from Kyle Shanahan, from Matt LaFleur, from Mike McDaniel, all blowing kisses at each other. Oh, you're so great. Your play calling's amazing. We all come from the same tree. We don't see this sort of beef anymore, and I thought it was a nice thing that we had some real feelings and real honesty out there. We don't get the beef that we used to get amongst coaches or amongst players. And I am always here for the beef, Courtney, because I'm coming at this thing like a fan. And from the fan perspective, it makes this so much more interesting. Like this week five matchup between these two teams is going to now be so much more interesting because of the beef. So the only people that I keep hearing on the airwaves since these comments from Sean Payton who hate this are all former players or former coaches, right? right? Because inside that fraternity, this is a big no-no, okay? But it's sports, Courtney. It's sports, and rivalry is supposed to be part of sports. And in order to have rivalry, you have to have some semblance of beef. So I am with you. I absolutely love this from the fan perspective. I love it from our media (laughs) perspective as well. It gives us content. It makes everything so much more interesting. It also kind of takes away that mask of the NFL, because you're right. All we ever get is how much these guys respect each other and all these coaching circles and fine. They're all at the same conferences. They all come from the same trees. A lot of them have worked together in the past or certainly had connections to guys who have worked together before. But it's refreshing to hear from a guy who is Sean Payton, right? Who is at this point in his career at a place where he can pretty much say anything about anybody and keep it moving. And that's what Sean Payton did. He felt empowered to do that. And in doing so, I think, frankly, he's putting a lot of confidence in Russell Wilson. That's probably what he's trying to do. I don't believe for a second that Sean Payton wasn't calculated in doing Mm -hmm. this. I don't believe for a second that Sean Payton still thought he was on Fox when he did this. (laughs) Sean Payton knew what he was doing and he took shots at Nathaniel Hackett and heck, I am here for it. It's fun. The comments that I think rubbed people the wrong way, where he said there was 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know, Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip a switch, more or less, and become a terrible quarterback. So when I read those comments in the USA Today article, I thought, just like you, that this was a calculated message that he wasn't just sending to the Denver Broncos franchise as a whole, but particularly to his quarterback that, hey, you stunk last year. You were really, really bad, but it wasn't all on you. And that this year, it's going to be a complete 180 from what you did in the 2022 season because that coach is gone. You've got a competent play caller. In me, competent offensive mind, but all the stuff you were allowed to get away with, your enablers, they're not here anymore. So those were not-so-veiled shots at Nathaniel Hackett. And then 24 hours later, Sean Payton had this to say, sort of, but not completely walking back what he said in that USA Today article. 
I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and not my coaching hat on. You know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran, you know, stepping in it. It was it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake. Obviously, I needed a little bit more filter. There's a pound of flesh for these guys. And, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, we're past that season last year. And, you know, I said what I said. And obviously, I needed it a little bit more restraint and uh, I regret that I said what I said but I never actually heard the words I'm sorry for saying things about Nathaniel Hackett Amber because he's not sorry and because he did have his coach hat on when he made those comments and the reality is Sean Payton probably believes that it was Nathaniel Hackett's fault right the fall off of Russell Wilson if he didn't genuinely believe that Courtney he wouldn't have taken this job with the Denver Broncos we know he had his pick across the league here he could have waited it out he could have taken another job somewhere else maybe he waited out the situation with the Chargers he had options and he had more options coming in the future and for that coveted coach to have taken this particular job in Denver, he wouldn't have done that if he didn't believe Russell Wilson has a lot left in the tank, if he didn't believe that it was a coaching problem, which is why Russell Wilson fell off the way he did, and a problem, therefore, that Sean Payton could fix. So I think Sean Payton is instilling confidence in Russell Wilson. I also think he believes that the problem last year wasn't actually Russell Wilson. I I agree with that, and I think that there's a lot of layers to this, but for Russ to reach his potential, for Russ to be the old Russ that the Denver Broncos initially made the deal for, a lot of things have to change. And I think within all of those things that Sean Payton said, he's directing some of those shots at Russell Wilson that you can't be the same guy, the entitled guy that you were last year in your first season in Denver. It's not going to work out because Sean Payton, putting on my Sean Payton hat, he's going to outlast Russell Wilson if Russell Wilson has another season like he did last year. All right, so these comments made their way across the country all the way to Florham Park, and of course, Aaron Rodgers was asked about it during Back Together weekend coverage. Here's what he had to say about the shots that Sean Payton took at his beloved Nathaniel Hackett. Those comments were very surprising. Um, to, for a coach to do that to another coach, my love for Hack goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay. Kept in touch. Um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And... It made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. That exclusive interview with Aaron Rodgers is on NFL Plus. You can sign up today at plus.nfl.com to view the full Aaron Rodgers interview and more content from Back Together Weekend in Week 2 of training camp. Keep my coach's name out of your mouth. Yeah! Like, what a threat. Like, what is that accomplishing, Aaron Rodgers, other than just, like, getting these bars off and, like, you know, being in your feelings about somebody saying something that was kind of true about the guy that you love so much and says it's your favorite coach ever? 
Aaron Rodgers being in his feeling, who would have thunk it, Courtney? We never saw it coming. Also, what's funny to me is Sean Payton never said anything about Nathaniel Hackett as a father or as a husband, right? I mean, it wasn't like he took a blowtorch to Nathaniel Hackett as a person. He just said that he didn't do a good job in Denver last season. And oh, by the way, we all know Nathaniel Hackett didn't do a good job in Denver last season. It wasn't that groundbreaking what Sean Payton said. No, not at all, and this goes nowhere other than maybe providing another storyline to that Week 5 game. As Amber mentioned, those two teams end up facing off against each other. The drama, of course, will ensue, and we will be talking about this one for a while. Speaking of the Jets, they had a running back, pretty prominent one, in the building yesterday for training camp. Are they going to sign Dalvin Cook? Did this actually accomplish anything? We get into that next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is ESPN Radio. Let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Days. Time is here. On ESPN Radio. The New York Jets. Blue 58. Go. This is Rich Savini covering the Jets. It's all about Aaron Rodgers and how quickly he can galvanize the offense. Rodgers knows the system, and he has a close rapport with OC Nathaniel Hackett, but most of the players don't. Rodgers is very particular. He wants things run his way. The Jets are giving him that freedom. Actually, that's one of the things that appealed to him about the Jets. Right now, he's trying to be a mentor, teaching the young players. He's also learning about his new teammates. Which guys can he trust when it gets real? This is very much a feeling out process and a race against the clock for week one. The Jets also have some moving parts on the offensive line which certainly doesn't help matters. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson with you on ESPN Radio this morning. Hope your Monday 
It's getting off to a good start. As always, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. So you heard it there, the team that we've been talking about all offseason from the time Aaron Rodgers announced on Pat McAfee's show his intentions to join the New York Jets to the time that he actually got traded there to the $35 million spiteful pay cut, Amber, that he took last week. I still cannot get over the fact that Aaron Rodgers was willing to stick it to Green Bay that much to take a $35 million pay cut. I know he's made so much money and will probably never have to worry about those $35 million that he left on the table. But I just look at the roster, the way that this team is constructed, and think about the financial restrictions that they might have had, and now the freedom and flexibility that they do have, and think, huh, is there is there somebody out there, maybe a running back named Dalvin Cook, that they might want to add and might have more finances to Amazing. do so? Yeah, amazing how that financial flexibility could have, you know, helped keep Devontae Adams in Green Bay (laughs) once upon a time. But apparently he didn't want to provide it back then. So here he is being ultimate team player guy, Aaron Rodgers, now that he's in New York. I agree with you. Somewhat of a petty move as well. But petty to the advantage here of his new team. Dalvin Cook would be a great addition to that team. Dalvin Cook has revealed that Aaron Rodgers has personally recruited him to the New York Jets. And of course he has. Who wouldn't want Dalvin Cook? Who wouldn't want more help in the backfield there for New York? He certainly would be a player that would help them when they have a position coming off of injury there for the Jets anyways. I hate this as a Dolphins fan. I hate the idea of Dalvin not just not going to Miami, but staying inside the division, which by the way, oh, by the way, the other two teams that he's flirting with they're both inside the division here Delvin really seems to want to find his way to that AFC East I just don't know how much I believe this because I feel like Dalvin Cook wants to be in Miami and so I wonder Courtney is this Dalvin Cook's way of just trying to get the Dolphins up because that's really where he wants to be of course he grew up in Miami he went to Miami Central for high school there in Miami and he has a home in Miami so I would imagine that some of this flirtation with the Jets and boy has it been public and he's at training camp and everyone's chanting his name at the beginning of training camp over there in New York, I would imagine some of it might be to put some pressure on the team that it feels like he actually wants to be with. Certainly feels like a leverage play here. Maybe a smart one. Maybe it does end up driving up the price on that offer that I believe came right after from Miami, right after he was released by the Minnesota Vikings. The Miami Dolphins swoop in right away and get him down there and put an offer on the table, which he didn't agree to. So clearly he's looking to make probably a more significant payday than what's out there right now. Does it actually lead to that? Well, we know the state of the running back market. Saquon Barkley having to concede, more or less, to get that $2 million up front of his franchise tag just to get in the training camp, and we've seen what it's done to Jonathan Taylor, to Josh Jacobs, to Tony Pollard, other running backs. I don't know how Dalvin Cook is going to get a sizable deal that's probably not already on the table, but it's a smart move either way. you got to keep your options open, and one of those options is the New York Jets. Now, if he ends up there, I don't know if it really moves the needle for me, Amber, all that much because I think about where this team is coming off a of 7-10 seeds and the pressure to win right now, so it might mean throwing anything at the wall to see if it will stick to continue to bolster this offense that ranked 29th in points last year. Quarterbacks, obviously a very different one, under center last year in Zach Wilson and then Mike White, 29th in total QBR. They were not great on third down. Adding Dalvin Cook into the mix when you're waiting for Brees Hall to come back from the ACL 
ACL tear. It gives you another dynamic weapon and a running back that can catch a lot of passes out of the backfield that's always been part of Dalvin Cook's game. I just don't know if it makes them front runners in the AFC East all of a sudden. I still think that most people will tell you that's Buffalo's role. And really, if it's the best fit for him, I agree with you. I think Miami gives him a better chance to be that lead rusher. Because once Brees Hall comes back, he was in run, the running for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award last year before he got hurt. That's his role. And Dalvin Cook becomes a complimentary piece. I still think at this point of his career, 28 years old, he still wants to be the number one guy coming out of your backfield. And Miami probably gives him as best a chance to do that as anybody in the, of those AFC East teams that you mentioned. Although Miami would still use him on a rotation with their two other backs. So that seems to be Mike McDaniel's MO. And so really it depends what Dalvin Cook wants, right? And you never know with these guys. Like, yes, it feels like he wants to be the number one. And he would be that initially with Brees Hall. If Brees Hall had never been injured, then I don't even think Delvin Cook to the Jets is a conversation. But the reason I I think it makes so much sense is because Brees Hall is coming off of that ACL injury. However, maybe Delvin Cook likes the idea of towards the end of the season having the help there with Brees Hall as well because maybe that helps save Delvin Cook's legs, you know, helps elongate that career, which is such an issue here at that running back position. Or maybe he likes the idea of how Mike McDaniel would run the offense down in Miami where there would be a bit of a rotation there. And again, maybe that helps save save some of the workload and save his body. You never know with these guys. I feel like what's most paramount right now with that position is just getting paid, right? (laughs) So even if Dalvin Cook wants to be in Miami for whatever reason, the offense, it's home, all that stuff, if the New York Jets offer him a lot more than the Miami Dolphins offer him, I would imagine that he ends up taking the money. And that's a smart play considering the career longevity of the running back position where Dalvin Cook is at his career. And, you know, of note, he did have his first fully healthy season of his career in 2022. I covered him with the Minnesota Vikings 17 through 2021. We know he's a dynamic player. We will soon see if he's a dynamic player for the Jets, the Miami Dolphins, or maybe there's a team that has not yet entered the chat. But as part of our ESPN Radio two-a-days coverage, we are talking about the expectations of these teams. And I I think about what the Jets did this offseason, but also what they've been building towards here. And I got to ask you, like, do you think there's a more a team that has more pressure, maybe not in like their Super Bowl or bust window, like the Buffalo Bills certainly are, but to make it work, to make the playoffs and the 12-year drought, to do all the things to keep Robert Sala's job, to keep Joe Douglas's job, because if they don't win this year with all the investments that they've made, I feel like those two might actually be in the hot seat conversation. I think that Robert Sala does enter the hot seat conversation here at some point because at this point, he has all the weapons, right? And there's no way that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be an upgrade from Zach Wilson. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be MVP form Aaron Rodgers. He's 38 years old. Maybe he's not ever going to be that again. We have no idea. But we're talking about the team that was 31st in passing touchdowns last season. We know Aaron Rodgers is going to be good for raising just that stat, even if he just plays like mediocre Aaron Rodgers, Courtney. And that's the expectation there in New York. So when you have all the talent, plus you have such a big upgrade at the quarterback position, and we already know where that team was defensively, there's going to be those expectations. You mentioned the Buffalo Bills. That's another team that has very high expectations that the pressure is on, obviously, and that's within their own division. The Miami Dolphins, certainly part of the conversation as well as a contender. So it's not going to be easy sledding for the Jets. I mean, people think that the Jets, you get Aaron 
Rodgers, and all of a sudden you're winning a Super Bowl. That ain't going to be how it is in the AFC. Plus, there are some concerns here with this Jets team. It's not that complete of a team. I mean, they obviously are a very good team on both sides of the ball, but that O-line has some real concerns. You're talking about Dwayne Brown at 37 years old. You're talking about Mekhi Becton, who's played, I think, one game in the last two years. And those guys are tasked with protecting a 38-year-old quarterback. So it's not flawless, is my point, the New York Jets. We're going to get a chance to see them in action. I mean, a little bit of action. It's the Hall of Fame game. It's coming your way on Thursday. The Jets taking on the Cleveland Browns. Won't see Aaron Rodgers in that game. But it will be good to at least get a little bit closer to football because at the end of July, we still have a long way to go. This is ESPN Radio this morning. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Courtney Cronin. Coming up next, we're going to find out if the NBA is really out to go get Amber Wilson's heat, and if this is a giant conspiracy surrounding Damian Lillard in the discourse that was put out in a statement on Friday. We'll get into that next here on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. Almost a month after Damian Lillard said, I want out of Portland. He's still under contract there. Has not been traded. He's not with Amber Wilson's Miami Heat. He remains out in the Pacific Northwest, still awaiting where he will be playing the 2023-24 season. This is ESPN Radio this morning on ESPN2 and ESPNU. Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson, pleased to have you with us here on this Monday morning. So on Friday, the NBA sent out a memo to all 30 teams related to the comments that Aaron Goodwin, who was Damian Lillard's agent, made a couple weeks ago. It was reporting from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that Dame only wants to go to Miami and won't play or perform his services anywhere else. Now, the NBA got into this investigation. They interviewed teams that apparently had this conversation with Aaron Goodwin and ended up saying, uh, through all of this, Amber, that there's going to be discipline if any of this stuff plays out. If Damian Lillard ends up getting traded somewhere that is not the Miami Heat, his preferred destination. I just look at these comments from the NBA and I think, okay, so what? Then what? What are you actually going to do? We know that in the new CBA, there are these rules that say if you have a public trade request, if you put one out there, you're subject to a $150,000 fine. That's a drop in the bucket with these guaranteed salaries in the NBA. But I don't really know if this memo that came out actually accomplishes anything other than a not-so-stern warning, maybe? Am I reading that right? Yeah, it's up to $150,000 fine, right? And we've seen in the past, because this wasn't just exclusive to this version of the CBA, this language was also in the old CBA as well, and it just basically says you can't publicly demand a trade. And yet, 
we see it over and 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 over again, right? And we saw it with Anthony Davis years ago when he wanted to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, and we all knew that he wanted to only go to the Los Angeles Lakers, and we all knew that he wanted to be traded from the Pelicans, and his agent said as much. And Anthony Davis in that scenario did get fined $50,000. It's $50,000. I mean, he got fined $50,000. Courtney, did he even know that $50,000 came out of its bank account? No, We're talking about these dudes who make hundreds of millions of dollars. So fine, under the new CBA, now it's $150,000 if they want to go up that high. Come on, this doesn't actually do anything. But what I take issue with as a Heat fan is I have seen this go down so many times without being enforced. I mean, just ask James Harden, right? All of these players are publicly demanding trades. We all know that they want to be traded. And yet there seems to be no issue with them. Kevin Durant did it. He wasn't fine. James Harden has done it every single stop that he's been at and is doing it currently right now. He hasn't been fined. We see it time and time and time again with these superstars and somehow this one is the issue. And I took a lot of people on Twitter coming at me or X. What are we? Are we Xing now? Whatever the heck we're doing, Elon. So a lot of people on X coming at me when I put out a angry tweet about this from the Miami Heat fan perspective. And they're like, well, this is the problem because he only wants to go to Miami. That's not actually the language in the CBA. The CBA doesn't say that the player can't want to go to one team. The CBA says that you can't publicly request a trade. So that's really what he would be at fault for here. Well, that we saw a million times over and we have seen a million times over the NBA not actually find players for this and not actually enforce this language. And Perry chicking the enforcement of this, that that seems to be the problem here. Also, cherry picking. It's very early in the morning and I'm Perry still a little sick. Perry chicken works. I'm going to you know. start using that in my vocabulary. I think that that's a, it's a good one. I mean, I've never heard anybody <laughs> use that The second that came out of my mouth, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so I think the issue here is that, according to ESPN's reporting, Aaron Goodwin, the agent, has stated to multiple outlets that Damian Lillard will only play for the Heat, and he denied that he like indicated this to any teams that he had talked to, that Dame would refuse to play for them if it was, I don't know, a Utah Jazz or a team that he didn't want to go to to play there. So the NBA trying to get out ahead of this feels like that's what they're doing here more than just like targeting the Miami Heat is that you don't want players to have the complete control of, well, if you trade me here, I'm just going to sit out and I'm not going to play. I don't know how their salaries would end up like not being affected by that because then teams can end up withholding that money. Like if you refuse to perform your services after a contract, which he has multiple years left on, he signed, he's contractually obligated to play wherever he's traded. That becomes a Damian Lillard issue then. I don't know why the NBA had to like jump into this because the the punishment that they're saying that they're going to enforce, they don't actually claim that it's the same thing as the public trade request, the $150,000. Like, is that, I would need to see a little bit more within this memo to know, okay, how serious are they actually being? Because this feels like an empty threat. It feels like this is a veiled shot, maybe not so veiled, at the Miami Heat. We know that Damian Lillard wants to go there. I, I mean, he shot himself in the foot the day that he put that out there through the podcast that he did on uh, with Brian Custer saying he wanted to go to Miami and then Brooklyn. Not keeping his options open is the reason that Damian Lillard has not been traded because what leverage do, do the Portland Trailblazers have to take anything other than a King's ransom for a player like Damian Lillard? And Miami doesn't want to necessarily give up all that it's going to take when they know that that's the place Dame wants to go. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. Why would you? end up giving all of your assets, putting them all in one basket for Damian Lillard. It just, like, 
We're at the same spot we were at on July 1st, Amber, Mm -hmm. when he put this trade request out there. And I knew it was going to take a while. I thought it would have been settled by now, though. Not necessarily a month later, or he's still on the same team. Well, the Heat aren't going to negotiate against themselves. Why would they bother? And a lot of people are jumping to this conclusion that the Heat often haven't offered something fair. How do we know they haven't offered something fair? Maybe the Blazers are out to lunch on a player who's 33 years old and owed over $200 million and has a player option in 2026 and 7 that he can exercise when he's in his late 30s, Courtney. So what we're talking about here is maybe just a disconnect between two teams negotiating. Now the NBA has gotten involved as well, but it, it's all for naught. It, it means yeah. a whole lot of nothing at this point. A lot of words in that memo that came out on Friday. Big, empty threat. Straight ahead here is Jerry Jones sabotaging his team's Super Bowl chances. We get into that next on ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. More next. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.